Pastor Brenda did a great job this morning and also last Wednesday night. She talked about peace last Wednesday night. So if you take that teaching and the teaching from this morning and keep it in your library, you will certainly be helped through the Word and by the Spirit. And so um, everything is free of charge. Amen? So when everything is free of charge, you have no excuse to grab hold of the Word. Amen? No charge means no excuse. Right? All right. Well, let's talk about unwrapped. You know, Christmas time snuck up on us again, didn't it? As a kid, I was really into gifts. I'm not so much into gifts now. I, to be honest with you, I could really care less. Because the blessing of God is upon me every day of my life. But gifts are nice. And I know that Brenda loves gifts. But as a kid, I was really into gifts. I didn't want any socks. I didn't need any new underwear. You know, you remember going in the closet and sneaking in there and kind of unwrapping just a little bit just to see what it was? I had two, I have two older brothers. Tim's in heaven and Dan is my oldest brother, lives in Phoenix, and one older sister that is in heaven as well. But Tim and I were very close in age. Um, I guess he would be 65 now, I'm 63. And so we, we grew up together. And uh, when my mom would call us and say, okay, guys, it's time to open the gifts, we didn't say, not now, mom, we're doing our homework. <laughs> no, we, we tore in to the gifts that were so graciously given to us. And how many of you know that God gives good gifts? The kind of gifts that God gives are good. And I want to have you open your Bibles to James chapter 1 and verse 17. And let's just look at that scripture for a moment. God is not into a mixed bag, depending on mood, depending on emotions. He doesn't give some good gifts and others bad gifts. No, God is forever good. In James 1.17, he says, every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Okay, so we see then, good gifts come from heaven. They come from above. Bad things come from beneath. The thief is the killer. Jesus is the life giver. Life giver. The thief is the destroyer, but Jesus is the one who can take broken things and make them whole again. Like Brenda shared this morning, he is the prince of shalom. He is the prince of nothing missing and nothing broken in our lives. Now I want you to go over to Luke chapter 1. And I want us to begin in verse 26. Luke the first chapter and the 26th verse. says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee. And what was the name of that city? Nazareth. It was Nazareth. How many of you know if you get an angel on any day, it's a good day? But if you get Gabriel, it's a mucho good day. Let's talk a little bit about Nazareth. Well, Nazareth was a town um, at that particular time of only about five to 600 people. Today... It's a town of a few hundred thousand. Today, Nazareth is roughly 60% Muslim, 30% Jewish, 
and 10% Christian. Back in those days, their homes were heated with wood. Their homes would be about 500 to 600 square feet. And they were very simple people. And in their homes, oftentimes they had to keep livestock. So I want you to get the picture of Nazareth. It was a very rural town. Most of the people in that day were illiterate, including the men. And so in verse 27, it says that the angel came to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was... Okay, so now let's talk for a few moments about Mary. Let's talk for a few moments about Joseph. Who was Joseph? Well, he was probably a teenager, about 12 to 16 years of age. He was poor. He was a carpenter. Um, But he was from the kingly line of David. I want you to think of Joseph. When you think of him, I want you to think of junior high boy who can't grow a beard. And here's a guy who's going to marry Mary. And he's going to raise Jesus. And he doesn't even have his license yet. The Bible says that they were betrothed. Well, let me share with you what betrothal means. Espoused is betrothal. Number one, there were three stages to a Jewish wedding in that particular day. Number one, there was the engagement. It was a formal agreement made by the fathers. And then there was the betrothal or the ceremony where mutual promises were made. And then finally, there was the marriage. But the marriage didn't take place until about one year later when the bridegroom would come at an unexpected time for his bride. Sounds kind of scriptural to me. How many of you know that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon? We're looking for him. And he's coming after his bride. Say it with me. We are the bride of Christ. Okay, so we we see Joseph. We see that they were betrothed. And now let's take a look at Mary. What do we know about Mary? Well, she probably was illiterate. And contrary to Catholicism, and I grew up in a Catholic home, went to Catholic grade schools, went to all boys Catholic high schools. Um, So I know a little bit about Catholicism, but she was not what religion pictures her as. She was not wearing a gold, nicely embroidered clothing on, sitting on a gold throne, holding a baby with perfect hair, wearing a white gown, having yet another gold crown encircled by a halo. It wasn't like that. Think peasant girl, peasant dress, pulling water from a well, collecting firewood for her parents' home, about 12 to 15 years old. And God comes to a 12 to 15-year-old girl by the name of Mary. And notice with me in verse 28 what he says to her. We're going we're gonna to unwrap just one portion of this Christmas message tonight. There is so much in the Christmas message that you could preach all day and all night. But I want you to notice verse 28. And I'm going to ask you to read with me. Ready? Read. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. In other, words, in other words, what he was saying, greetings, favored one. Now Mary probably did not see herself as favored. 
She potentially, or we know that she probably didn't know anything else but what she knew. But in the natural realm, there was nothing special about her. She most likely didn't feel especially favored. She didn't see herself as favored. But the angel came to her, and I want you to pull that scripture back up, and he said three things. Number one, that she's highly favored. Number two, the Lord is with you. And number three, that you are blessed. How many of you know all of these things were certainly true of Mary? But oh, thank God, they're also true of every believer in Jesus Christ. We are highly favored just as Mary was highly favored. Notice with me in verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I love the fact that when an angelic messenger comes representing the most high God, he doesn't come with the message of fear. He does not come with the message of condemnation. But he came with a salutation of favor. And he said, I know this might be a little strange to you, but I don't want you to be afraid because you're highly favored of God. Man, that's something else. Say it with me. I'm highly favored of the Lord. Verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name. Let's say his name. Say it again real strong. Jesus. She'll call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know that's awesome truth right there. You and I are part of that kingdom. Where there is no end to it. Oh, hallelujah. And then Mary said unto the angel, and this is a perfectly legitimate question. How shall this be? (laughs) Seeing I know not a man. In verse 35, I want you to read with me. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. How shall these things be? Very simple. The Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of us is the same Holy Ghost that was going to come upon her and overshadow her and cause her to conceive. The same Spirit of the living God who lives on the inside of us who helps us, who stands by us, who is our paraclete, who when we don't know how certain things shall be, we can rely on God's word and we can rely on the spirit of the living God on the inside of us to help us and cause the word of God to come to pass in our lives. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say the Holy Ghost. If you see an empty chair, call those things that be not as though they were and say Holy Ghost anyway. How shall this sanctuary be filled? The Holy Ghost. 
Amen. Verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Verse 37, I think we need to read that and just rejoice in that. For... With who? God. With God. With God. Now add in my life. With God. Now, what the Lord is requiring of us is to simply have faith in Him. Because things that are possible with God, sometimes in the natural realm, look impossible to us. Right? It's like that father who had that son and he was looking for him to get some help and the disciples couldn't help him. And he went to Jesus and Jesus said, look, all things are possible to him that believeth. So Jesus put the qualifier in there, didn't he? He said, this miracle is possible with me. Now I'm inviting you to hook up with me and trust me and let me be God in your son's life. All things are possible to him that believeth. Now there's no sense for us pretending we believe when we don't believe. I'm going to say that again. There's no sense for us pretending to believe with unfeigned faith or pretending faith when we really aren't there yet. We need to take an honest, sober look at our lives and really ask ourselves, am I in true faith or am I in presumption? Do I really believe or am I going on someone else's revelation? Do I really believe or am I living on borrowed faith? Ed Dufresne, Dr. Dufresne did a message called Borrowed Faith years ago. Thank God for the faith of others and thank God for the inspiration of other people's faith. But it's according to your faith is when impossible things become possible. And this happens a lot in our camp. Over the years, I can look back and I can even in my own life have the knowledge and revelation where at one point I thought I was really in faith, but I wasn't in faith at all. I was in presumption. And presumption does not get results. Presumption is kin to foolishness. Dr. Dr. Price wrote a book called Faith foolishness or presumption. So what you want to make sure then is we can get real happy about, you know, with God, all things are possible, but do we believe the God with whom all things are possible? Not up here. I'm talking about down here. Say it with me. All things, things. not some things, things. but all things things. are are possible to him that believeth. Now, here's what we need to do. We need to follow Mary's example. Read verse 38 with me. And Mary said, 
be it unto me. Now notice this statement. This is a powerful statement. Be it. In other words, what you said about it, be it. In other words, I receive it. Be it unto me according to thy word. So let's unwrap this gift of favor tonight. Look over with me at Psalms 5, verse 12. Be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. Let it be according to the B-I-B-L-E. Psalms 5, verse 12. It says, For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. Who are the righteous? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he will bless the righteous with what? With favor, you will compass him as with a shield. Love that word compass. It means to surround. It means to encircle. It means to encompass with the thought of protection. The favor of God protects you. It preserves you. How many of you know we need the favor of God to surround us every day? As with a shield. The Amplified says it this way. As with a shield, you will surround him with goodwill, pleasure, and favor. The favor of God. The blessing of God. What is favor? Well, basically, favor is another word for grace in the Bible. It means undeserved favor. It means unmerited love. What does religion say about that? Well, religion is all about what you have to do to earn God's favor. But Christianity is all about God favoring you by His grace. And we have access, the Bible says, into this glorious state of favor. In other words, we connect with this favor through our faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. Say it with me, I have have favor favor with God and man. man. The favor of God goes before me. And causes me to prosper. Now, favor must be in your heart and in your mouth. In other words, favor must be spoken out of our heart and out of our mouth on a regular basis. Even in the natural realm where everything's going good. How many of you know that we have seasons where things are going all right? That's not a sin. That's nothing to feel guilty about. That's a good thing. That's a God thing. Amen? But it is at those times where things are good and the south wind, if you will, is blowing softly that we have a tendency to let go of our profession of faith. It is at those times that we allow ourselves the luxury, if you will, of dropping our shield and allowing ourselves to indulge in the flesh. And then when it's time for favor to show up and favor for a meeting and favor for whatever circumstance you're in, then that favor is at a low level. I'm saying we need to keep the favor of God on a high level. We should be favor of God minded. 
Did you know that you're going to run into people that can make some quality decisions about your future? You will have people that you come into contact with down the path of life, down the road of life, that either can say yay or nay to your employment. That can either say yay or nay to your loan. That can either say yes or no to you getting that home. I believe that the difference maker is the favor of God. I'm going to say it again. I believe that the difference maker, it is the favor of God. And so you say, and they say, so you charge the atmosphere all around you every day with grace and with favor. For faith-filled words and connecting into my favor will go before you and knock down doors and open doors and change things for your good, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I got favor. You've got favor. I don't feel like I have it. Mary didn't feel like she had it. But she had it. And you have it. Bible talks about not only with having favor with God, but also favor with man. Here's the revelation. You keep favor in your heart and in your mouth and on your mind. The God of favor will influence man to show you favor. Who glory to God. I said the God of favor will influence man to show you favor. So it's all God. Well, I don't know why I'm approving this. I don't know why I'm going to let you have this house. I don't know why. I'm going to let you have this job. There's a thousand other people applying, but there's just something in my mind and in my heart. The job's yours. The house is yours. The loan is yours. That's the favor of God. (laughs) That's what it is. Now learn to recognize his favor. Learn to rehearse his favor. When favor is shown and you know it's the favor of God, rehearse it, tell it, get in the habit of saying, that's the favor of God. That's the goodness of God. That's my God showing up on my behalf. Amen? Let's just charge this whole atmosphere with favor tonight. So, just like me, just like others that have taught this, you can let this revelation slip. What causes it not to slip is keep it on your mind. Amen? Job chapter 10 verse 12 says this. You don't need to turn there. It says, Thou hast granted me life and favor. 
and your visitation has preserved my spirit. The word granted there means bestowed or given as a gift. Favor is not something we earn. Isn't that right, Tony? Favor is a gift. Psalms 30, verse 5 in the Amplified. I do want you to look at this. Folks, don't get nervous. I don't have a long word. I got a good word. I find that some of the best words are short words. Because you don't want to go beyond the revelation that God is affording for that time. The most important thing about what you hear tonight is to do it. To be a doer of the word. Amen? Okay, Psalm 30, verse 5. Let's read this together. Ready, read. For his anger is but for a moment. But his favor... That, isn't that scripture loaded? That's just loaded. Let's keep it up there just for a minute. I'm thankful his anger is for a moment. And his mercy endures forever. But his favor, now notice this. It is for your whole life. It's not just about you getting that job or you getting that breakthrough. I'm telling you, there are layers and layers of grace and favor that are available to God's people. We haven't seen anything yet. We're grateful for what we've seen, but God's got much more for all of us. His favor is for a lifetime. In other words, walking in divine favor is a way of life or it is the lifestyle of the rich and blessed. (laughs) It It is the lifestyle of the rich and blessed. Somebody say, saying, are you saying I'm rich? No, I'm not saying that you're rich. The Word says you're rich. I'm just telling you what the Word says. You may not have two nickels to rub together, but according to the Word of God, you is rich. You may feel cursed, but you is blessed. So this favor is for a lifetime, 24 hours, 7 days a week. In His favor is life. Now, weeping may endure for a night. That doesn't mean we're not going to have challenges. That does not mean we're not going to have to stand for this. Amen? This does not mean we're going to have, not going to have to cast down imaginations and fight the good fight of faith. Weeping may come. But thank God, you know, joy comes in the morning. Joy shows up in the morning. Now, why does joy show up in the morning? Because His favor is on your life. And it's for a lifetime. Amen? Favor will get you and I to places we could never get by ourselves. The favor of God gives you and I an advantage for success. Jerry Savell defines favor, and by the way, if you want to get some excellent material on favor, get Jerry Savell's books on the favor factor. It is awesome. Feed your faith on it. And then Bob Boos has got a book too, doesn't he? What's the name of that one? Favor the Road to Success, Bob Boos. You can download a lot of these on Amazon, Kindle, and so forth. So feed on this. But Brother Savell, um, he defines favor to support, to endorse, to assist, to make easier, 
to provide with advantages and to show special privileges. Noah Webster's Dictionary from 1828 edition defines favor as an advantage for success. In other words, there's nothing, there's nothing fair about favor. It is the believer's advantage. We have the edge because we have favor. We have the advantage because we have favor. They say in tennis, advantage, Thomas. Advantage, Freeman. Advantage, Steve Pape. The gentleman from Fremont, California, has the advantage over the other player. Woo, glory to God. Advantage, every child of God. The believer's advantage. Well, I'm wondering then why, Pastor, everything just doesn't seem to work out the way I'd like it to work out. You just defined it. Oftentimes, we want things that God has not planned for us. And so you shouldn't be so disappointed when things don't go your way. Because in fact, when your life was sold out to God, you want things to go God's way. And I have discovered that my God knows best. Weeping may endure for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. God's got a better way. God's got a higher way. You thought this was the right thing, but God says, hold on, sister. Hold on, son. Hold on, daughter. I got something better for you. And isn't that where trust comes? Amen. Okay. So favor, it opens doors, creates opportunities, turns adversaries into allies. You know, the scripture says that he'll even cause your enemies to be at peace with you. It accelerates progress. It brings great blessings. Favor is the birthright of every believer. Now, I don't know whether I'm going to do it this Sunday or sometime in 2014, but I want to show you how closely connected favor and blessing are. They're just like this. Freedom from the curse because you're blessed. Freedom from rejection because you're accepted in the beloved. We're going to take a look at that sometime, but not tonight. Make this confession with me. When the favor of God goes before me, it opens doors no man can shut. It opens doors that men say are impossible to open. The favor of God will change rules, regulations, policies, and even bring down governments, if necessary, to get me through the door God wants me to go through. That's another sermon right there. I'm going to do a message on doors. You know, Jesus says, I am the door. There's all sorts of doors waiting for me and you to go through.
Okay, let's close tonight in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And I want to notice verse 14, verse 15, and verse 16. John chapter 1. Man, Pastor Tom, that song was good. It's not over. John chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. So get, get, your, get in faith on this, guys. You're going to need it. Seriously, you're going to need it. The enemy will see to it that some roadblock comes your way, and he'll say, no way. But because you're ready, you'll say, yes way. Jesus is the way. We're going over. We're going under. We're going through. Whatever it takes, we're going to make it. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh. Well, Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word, did she not? So that word that was spoken over her was made flesh. That's Jesus. And Jesus dwelt among us. You know, thank God he's still here today. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Read those final words in that with me. What was he full of? Not hamburgers and hot dogs. Not hummus and whatever. Pita bread. Oh, he was full of grace. Now, another word for grace is favor. When the Word was made flesh, and when He came to earth, and He dwelt among us, the glory was on Him, but His life was full of favor, and His life was full of truth. His favor is yours for a lifetime. I'm declaring tonight that Mark Thomas's life is filled with grace. Filled with favor. And I'm filled with truth. Hallelujah. Now. Let's see where we're going to go here. You got a few more moments? Young's translation says. Where it says full of grace and truth. It says grace over against grace. Look at the amplified version in verse 16. I'm moving too quick. Let's look at verse 16. Full of grace, full of truth. You and I are just like him. We're full of grace. We're full of the word. We're full of the favor of God. We're full of the grace of God. We're so full of the grace of God when we open our mouths, our words become gracious. Our words are seasoned with the grace of God. People want to be around you because you're just so full of grace. You're just a person that builds people up and lifts people up. And it's not phony and it's not something that's, you know, out here somewhere. It's a reality in your life. Say it with me. I'm full of grace. I'm full of favor. And I'm full of truth. Back in 1976, back at Rama Bible Training Center, where Brenda and I met in the month of August of 76, we both were 
going to go to Ramah that year. And at that particular time, they didn't have as many teachers raised up that they do now. And so what they did is they would draw from different teachers from around the United States. Dr. Fred Price, one of them. Kenneth Copeland came in and taught us that year on uh, six steps to excellence of ministry. Uh, others came in. Dad Hagen would have his seminars. And then there was a gentleman by the name of Roy Hicks. I don't know whether you've heard of Roy Hicks or not. I believe Roy Hicks has gone on to be with the Lord. He served faithfully in the uh, Foursquare denomination for a number of years. And Roy, Dr. Hicks, had some real revelation about grace, among other things. And I remember one night he did a message on the grace of God and he talked about in Zechariah how that mountains can be moved and headstones can be removed with shoutings or speakings of grace unto them. But he prefaced what he said about moving obstacles by declaring grace. He prefaced the word grace, which is favor, with this definition. Simple definition. He said that grace or favor, it is the operational power of God. In other words, when something is operational, it means it's at work. When something is operational, it is something that is moving. It's not stagnant. So the favor of God and the grace of God is the operational power of God. Now notice with me that Jesus was full of grace, come on, and truth. This is not some sort of nice little full gospel cliche trying to describe how wonderful the master was. No, he was really full. Amen. Of grace. He was full of favor. And truth. So when he spoke and said things to diseases. To dead people. To fig trees. Come on. Those things had to obey. Because when he opened his mouth. You see the operational power of God went to work and moved what needed to be moved. Does anyone have anything in their life that needs to be moved? Get yourself full of grace. Full of the favor of God and full of truth. So that when you open your mouths, mountains move. Devils tremble. Amen. All right, verse 16. For out of his fullness, remember he was full of what? Grace. He was full of grace and what? And notice it says, for out of his fullness, abundance, you and I have all received. So in other words, this is not something that was just stored up for the master. This was something and is something that you and I receive. 
and had a share. And we were all supplied. Everyone say we're all supplied. supplied. Now notice this. With one grace after another. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. You see that? Look at my hands. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And favor upon favor. And gift heaped upon gift. And blessing upon blessing. And favor upon favor. What this is saying to us tonight, there are layers of God's favor that are available to the born again believer. Say it with me, layers of His grace. Layers of His favor. Keith Moore says this. He says, how would that affect you If you had 30% more favor on you this month than you did last. (laughs) His grace, his favor is my help and it's your help. And he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Once we get into this overflow of favor upon favor... Things that haven't, we haven't been able to do, now we'll be able to do. Things that were a struggle to do, now become easy to do. Things that we've come short in and behind in, now we have victory over. And so a major key to activation, we're going to activate tonight. We're going to, we've, we've, we've taught and now we're going to activate. So stand up, please. So here's a major key to activating his favor in your life. This is all from the Christmas story. He says in Job 22, verse 28 in the Amplified Version. And I'll, this is the last one we're going to pull up unless the Spirit of God leads us in a different way. Job 22, 28, Amplified Version. Activating the favor of God. Let's read it together. Ready, read. You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor So you have to judge for yourself. Is what you heard tonight true? And then am I going to act on that? So you can hear the word, but not do the word. So you make a quality decision to do something about what you heard. And then you start decreeing. You start proclaiming. You start saying. Amen. Let's raise our hands toward heaven.